When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm today's host, Rich Faye, standing in for the the under the weather Tyrone Marshall. I suppose he has sort of uh, played with his namesake there. Too ill to to feature there, Mr. Marshall. Um, Samuel, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, and of course, Stephen Ralston's off gallivanting in in Poland somewhere. He's uh, he's he's ensured that he's out of. Out of the running for different reasons, personal reasons, is his absence this week, I think it's safe to say. On today's show, we will discuss United's upcoming FA Cup trip to face Newport County. We'll also get into the transfer window. But first, let's start with let's start with Anthony Marshall and uh, Samuel. Have we seen the last of him in the United shirt? I hope so. I, I say that not not objectively whatsoever, but it's. I think there were certain players that um, denied that that privilege, and I think that a lot of Manchester United supporters would probably be in favour of the club just paying up his his contract and allowing him to clear out his locker and, and clear off. Uh, I, I suspect that won't happen. If if that was going to happen, United might have announced that with with his um, his injury in midweek, but. This by the time, provided he does return on schedule, I think it'll have been a 16-week layoff. I was looking at the, the the numbers, and it's it's easy to forget that how how much he missed in the 2020-21 season. I think he missed the last two months of that uh, before he went on loan to Sevilla in January 22. That season, I think he plays in only 12 of 30 games. He had um, some layoffs there as well. Last season, I think he played in 28 out of 62 games, so he was missing for 34 games through various layoffs. And the irony is, this season, um, up until he that that sorry end to his possibly to his United career against Bournemouth in early December, he had been in every matchday squad this season. He'd, he'd been he'd been fit for the best part of four months, but all of a sudden he's unwell, and then every week it's he's still unwell and people start to get suspicious and now he's got an injury now he's had surgery and now we won't see him again uh, possibly until gone Easter um, and, and the clogs will have gone forward as well by that point so that's, that's how long it's going to be until um, Manchester United fans possibly do see him again but I think the way it's gone this season where of course with Marshall he, he, his, his removal in two games has been celebrated by by United supporters I think it was the Newcastle game and the Bournemouth game there were the the cheers were a lot louder during the Bournemouth game, um, uh, possibly because it was it was a Premier League game and it was it was going even worse than it was against Newcastle in in the League Cup tie. And there have been a couple of other players who've, who've copped some flack as well from the match goers this season. And I think when Anthony replaced Marcus Rashford against Spurs, there was certainly a few, definitely a few boos. Uh, I, I presume for for Anthony, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Marshall got that treatment if if he if he does indeed play and I think there is still there has to be an outside chance just because you look at Manchester United's forward line and they've only got six forwards um, they've got one striker and, and five wingers and it's it's lopsided I mean Alejandro Garnacho has done very well on the right and he's you know he's playing there ahead of Anthony Ahmad uh, Facundo Palistri Marcus Rashford has, has been back in the goals at least with um coming back into the team and, and playing on the left and it's you know they're, they're quite thin up top and some of those players I don't think will, will necessarily be at United next season so they they could do with an extra body there and, and Marshall would have been an extra body but he's it's been so long since he last participated in a game and when he has played in games this season you've you've often wondered why, why is he starting I mean the nadir for him I didn't think you get could get any worse than the, the Newcastle away game, but then a week later, there he was getting cheered off by United's home fans during a three 0 humbling by by Bournemouth. But the Newcastle away performance was was a real, real um, 
worry for United, just that Ten Hag thought that was the, the way forward in terms of starting Marshall and then starting Marcus Rashford that day as well because he was in really poor form and those two were the, the full guys of the fallout. But you look at Marshall's career at United, he's, he, this is his ninth season, I think it is, and he has long outstayed his welcome. And I remember speaking to the people at the club during Ten Hag's first summer saying, look, you know, there's a decision to be made there because look at his contract situation and lo and behold, he wasn't sold that summer. He wasn't sold last summer. There's mitigation for that. There's a lot of context around it. He was, of course, injured for almost the entirety of the 2023 summer transfer window. So he was unsellable in, in 12 months earlier in 22. He just had a pretty poor loan spell at Sevilla. Um, United did not have any real sellable assets in that squad after a, a really dreadful season and, and Marshall's form had been poor for a couple of years. So it would have been difficult to to find a buyer. But then again, you think, well, another club, if they were proactive with with their dealings, they, they probably would have found a club for him. They would have got him off the books. But ultimately, this is a player who, who probably should have gone, when, when he does go in the summer, it will be six years too late. Um, there was certainly uh, interest in him in 2018. He wanted to leave as his agent went on, went on the record as stating and his resale value would have been high. Um, there was certainly a call f- uh, to Ed Woodward from, from Daniel Levy, uh, the Tottenham chairman, inquiring about Marshall. But United's decision makers back then, they were, they were petrified of, of fan perception and there were certain players that they just refused to entertain the prospect of losing them. And, and Marshall was one of them. And you know, more for United because they've, they've not had much return whatsoever. You only have to look at his... His seasonal goal scoring tallies, I think it's something like, is it 17, 8, 11, uh, 12, 23, 7? This is really one, putting your knowledge to the test, isn't it? 9 and 2. I, I think, I, I may be wrong here or there, but I, I'm, I think that's roughly, if, if it's 100% correct, then great. If, but I think it's roughly more or less uh, the, you know, it's like you're auditioning to be a bingo caller there, Samuel. <laughs> yeah, with your, I, uh, yeah, mine, mine is the charisma that, of yeah, two, two fat ladies, eight goals, and what have you. But uh, he's he's had two yeah. good seasons. I think I make nine. it. Yeah, tw- I think it's his twenty-second separate illness or injury since he joined the club. I think he's missed at the moment eighty-three matches, and that'll probably be closer to a hundred, like you said, by the time the season's actually up. So, like you said, he's, he's long overdue that. And what what is he nine years in now? Testimonial time for you. Well, he, I don't think he'll. Maybe, I, I suspect he won't hit that magic ten year mark, and uh, it's it's almost like the the testimonial in football. There's possibly a piece in it that it doesn't seem to exist anymore. I don't think, um, and, and quite rightly so. What was for, the last United one? Would it have been skulls or gigs? Uh, no, I think it might have been. It might have been Rear Fern. Didn't Rear Fern? Oh no, Did sorry, Carrick Michael Carrick. Yeah, oh. Michael Carrick had a testimonial in uh, 2017. It was. Um, it was because it, it was the week of the. Uh, it was the day of the 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 concert at the cricket ground after the the arena bombing. So there were you know it was quite a it was very raw time in in Manchester after that you know, appalling attack at the, the Manchester Arena for the Ariana Grande concert and um, you know feelings were very pent up and United had just had a Europa League final and uh, I think that that game had been scheduled for for that Sunday, but you had the the, the concert going on the cricket ground down the road um, in to, to, to you know off, in in tribute to to the victims of uh, of, of the arena attack. Uh, but that must have been the last one. Um, I think Antonio Valencia was there was talk of him maybe getting one, but uh, yeah, coming back for one, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. seem to remember reporting on that where he said he wanted to have one. He was at Eldi Quito uh, or someone that he joined, hadn't he? And yes, I th- well, I'm pretty well, sure a, it was almost a, even penciled in. It might have been the COVID. A, it was. I think it was COVID that scuppered it, but I suspect it would have been at the AJ Bell Stadium or the, uh, the Lee Sports Village, possibly. And um, I, I don't think they'd have had a great turnout for that one. And, and that was the other thing with testimonials: the the the, the turnouts for them was not always great. I think you had to be very specific about. Um, the, the opponents. If it if it was if it wasn't going to be an all star eleven, uh, then it was the, the safe bet. Always was just to say, look, can we have Celtic down because Celtic will bring about half of Glasgow with them, and they'll have as many fans there as United did. Which is why um, probably why Ryan Giggs and, and Roy Keane had their testimonials. Partly their, their testimonials against them. 
Maybe we should do the uh, Manchester's Red sort of petition to get Tony V his, his testimonial then. Maybe we'll start that movement. Um, I mean, this will be a very loose tangent, but this can bring us kind of nicely onto Pep Guardiola's uh, quotes about Omar Barada. He said that, you know, if he does transform United, name a stand after him. Maybe he'll deserve a testimonial. But I do think there is a pertinent point here, isn't there, Samuel, that I mentioned this on, dare I say, it, the Talking City podcast last week, that... Omar Barada joining United doesn't mean that they've got to start playing tiki-taka football and winning games every single week, does it? And Pep Guardiola's comments this week have sort of signalled that he suggests there's a lot more to it than just Barada joining United. But from a United point of view, they'll argue, look, it is a step in the right direction. It's a big piece of the puzzle. United will say we're well aware that there's bigger issues at play. But the warning from City that Barada's not going to come in and, and be a magic one solution. No, and I don't think there have been any United fans uh, suggesting that he's the, the, the panacea as well. It, he's The next appointment is arguably going to be the more important, important possibly the most important uh, move that, that Ineos make, which is going to be the sporting director. Um, who, who that is, uh, what's their track record? Are, are they going to be able to um, sustain their the, the, their work from previous clubs at, at Manchester United? Uh, it's It's going to be going to be a fair old while until we're able to to judge that sporting director because they'll obviously they'll obviously recruitment for this summer you'd imagine and then you, you, the players have to you know be given a bit of time to uh, for, for us to judge them and then you know I'm sure we'll we'll be we'll, we'll speak to people at United as as we endeavor to do and try to get as much background as possible on it but with with Barada he's he's clearly taught a good game in the past and um and that, that I think I've mentioned on the podcast on Monday uh, referring to Cy Bykovsky's interview with him about three and a half years ago and you know he, he came across well there and he said about I think the first words uh, on, on the transfer market were we spend smart and yes City absolutely do uh, they've been you know it's when, when he laid just reading his quotes the way he laid it out like we have a value of a player if if that value doesn't meet it then we'll move on to someone else and City are very good at not just scouting a player for a position, but scouting players for a position. Because if that move doesn't go, if that move falls through, it's someone else. And they've taken the odd hit here and there in the, yeah, that summer that they wanted Maguire. I don't think they signed a centre half. And I think it was early on that season they lost at Norwich City. Um, I think Angelino came back uh, from PSV Eindhoven. He contributed some really damaging defeats to Liverpool and United. They didn't win the title that season. But then a few a few months later, they signed Ruben Diaz, who was was it was he the PFA Player of the Year or the Football Writers Association Player of the Year as as they won the league that season. Uh, Nathan Ake came in, who I always thought was going to be a really good sign for City, um, not necessarily as a left back, but watching him at, at Bournemouth, I thought that was a very shrewd piece of business, and I didn't think the the fee they paid was was too steep. I know it was forty million pounds, but I still think that. Given his his cachet, they it, it was a reasonable figure, and nobody's complaining about um, that fee whatsoever. Because if you go to City, the chances are that their hit rate in in terms of signings must be ninety percent there or thereabouts in the last the last ten years, and even the years I I, I forget like when the first. That first summer post Ferguson, and obviously City in 2013-14, they won the won the title and they won the League Cup. But their four main signings that summer in 2013, it's 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 only a 25% hit rate um, success rate, sorry. And that's Fernandinho. I think the other three players they bought were Stefan Jovetic, Alvaro Negredo, and Jesus Navas. Now, Navas was okay for City, but Negredo and and Jovetic um, didn't hang around particularly long. But even then, they had you know they had good players in place. They had, they they knew that if they had the right manager, and if they made the odd signing that could um, that, that could in, impose themselves quickly, or certain players, existing players in the squad improved, they could get up to a level that they'd become champions. And that was a hell of a title race that season as well. It's not like the um, the standards in the Premier League plummeted. Arsenal threatened for a fair old while, and Liverpool you know threatened to. You'd come out of nowhere and it looked like it was going to be theirs until about late April time or mid-April time. But that's just one example of City and it, they don't always get it right and I don't think they've ever pretended that they always get it right either. But the way they execute plans and the fallback options and 
you know, the forward planning is just on a completely different plane from what is at United. And that's why they've been as successful as they have been over the last uh, 10, or, 10 or 15 years. Now, we spoke about a true Premier League icon leaving after nine years, not just Anthony Marshall, but as we're recording this, Jurgen Klopp's announced that he'll be leaving Liverpool at the end of the season. And Samuel, I suppose that oh, does really? make Cross- it quite put. Quite, quite pertinent for Man United that they need to get their act together. Yeah, there's well, a lot of change coming in the Premier League and Liverpool without Klopp, there's an open door for United to try and take advantage of. Well, I'm, I feel like Jamie Carragher, um, when Thierry Henry touches him on the, on, on the thigh, and that was, of course, over um, a Liverpool managerial change as well. Uh, with, uh, with I think it was when Brendan Rodgers was sat that day and, of course, Klopp came in and... I think it's fair to say that Klopp is not going to become the managerial Phil Chisnell and um, cross the divide to, to United. I'm sure a lot of United fans would love that to happen, but it's it's not it's just not going to. Let's face it. And this is the, this isn't the first time this has happened. I think he's. I mean, he had a few years left in his contract, didn't he? I think. And I remember he signed a contract with Dortmund until 2018, um, and that was in late 2013. I think it would have been. But of course, he left. Um, in, in in the summer of, of 2015. So uh, it, it just goes to show, uh, I, I always find when clubs always say uh, that so-and-so has signed a new contract until that will keep him here until this year. And you think, look, the chances are he will not be there until that year because things always change in football. But Klopp leaving Liverpool, I mean, that that is a bolt from the blue. I've, I don't think anybody was was I don't think anybody saw that coming and that is quite a seismic change for a club that will have had a manager there for the best part of nine years that that rarely happens you you don't get that longevity and of course there's every chance next year maybe sooner as well that Pep Guardiola will leave Manchester City I remember Ty telling me um, when they were in Abid, um, in Saudi Arabia uh, Guardiola said I want to say something um, after they'd won the Club World Cup and some of them looked at each other as if to say oh god is he actually going to you know, say that he's going to, to leave City now and he, he didn't say that but it wouldn't have been as, as shocking as it as Ty said it felt at the time it would have been in keeping with, with Guardiola's character and you know, sometimes when you've when you've reached the peak as Guardiola has at City and look, Klopp has at Liverpool as well um there comes a point where you, you you want to do something else. And it's, as you say, for United, it's opportunity knocks. That's another incentive as if, I mean, they didn't need one anyway, but they've got to get their house in order this summer because, you know, it, it may be, maybe Everton I will be right when he said era's come to an end because this is an era that is coming to an end for Liverpool. They've, I know it's very tentative talk and you know, Klopp will probably hate people for even mentioning it at a press conference, but they are still in four competitions this season. They have the capabilities to win to, to win all four of them, I, I think. I mean, they, they came pretty close a couple of years ago when they got to the final of the three cup competitions and they took the Premier League title race to the wire on the final day. Uh, he's He's been an exceptional He's been an exceptional coach for them. He's he's going to be bracketed with Shankly, with uh, Bob Paisley, and, and and rightly so because he's not only just won a European Cup, but he was the guy who who ended, who oversaw the end of um of, of a thirty year title drought as well. And I suppose the one thing that will you know the pity for Liverpool fans is that it was when they did lift the Premier League trophy, it was in an in an empty stadium. I don't think they'd have ever. Um, envisage their drought to have ended in in such a such a you know pretty hollow way, but it's it's still a, a Premier League title win, and he's he's he has been great for for English football as well. And yeah, I think United United fans will certainly be glad to see the back of him as as Liverpool coach because their record against Liverpool during this time has has been dreadful. They've uh, I think unless they draw them in the FA Cup, in fact, I think they'll have gone the whole. Will it will have been just one win, one win at Anfield against Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, and that was in his very early days there. I think he was probably not even three months in. Um, but going back to your point, United, they've got the chief exec in, they've got to get the sporting director in, they've got to be decisive over the manager. Like, is 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 this going to elicit a reaction from Ten Hag as well? Is is he going to be able to think right? I've I've got to get my act together now. I've I've got a very fit squad for this. This weekend, I've got a very fit squad, a foolish squad for 
really important month in February. I've got to put a statement of intent out there, not just for the team, but for myself as well. Um, and so this this next month coming up, which was already going to be fascinating as as an observer on, on Manchester United, I think it's going to be even more fascinating now in, in light of today's news. Yeah, if only C and Gerard hadn't signed that new contract with Alf Etifak this was earlier this week. I mean, he'd be ruined that, won't he? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of ripped up our running order, but we will be back after this short break to take a look at United's behind closed doors game against Burnley this week and bring you a bit on the transfer situation as well. Welcome back then to the Manchester is Red podcast, the Manchester Evening News. Samuel Ent, transfers. You'll be glad to know that you've only got, what, one or two podcasts left before the transfer window finally closes. But bringing us up to date with some of the uh, deals that people might have missed this week. And I guess in attack, there's some interesting news. I know you're, the line will probably be live by the time this podcast is live on Fecundo Palestri's future at the club. Maybe looking less certain it'll leave the club on loan this month. Yeah, this is a little peek behind the curtain because it's it's been it's been drafted, and I'm just waiting for a um, a response back. But I've, I've been told that uh, that that is that that could just have collapsed now that it might have fallen through. Um, that he, he could end up staying at United for the rest of this season. As of last week, United expected him to go on loan. At the start of the week, that shifted to in the balance, so it, it would be quite a natural um, progression if you want to call it progression. Don't think Polistri would for it to be off now. Uh, I think what's you know, it, it's possible that, that Marshall's injury has had a bearing on it, even though he's been missing for a month already. Because as I said earlier, you look at Manchester United's forward line, it is really thin. They've they've got one striker and five wingers and it's quite lopsided as well. I mean, they used to have an absolute sure fit of, um, of, of left, left-sided left forwards and at the moment the way it's going they've actually got one because Alejandro Garnacho is playing on the right that's not going to be forever I think it's safe to say but for the time being Garnacho absolutely has to start Rashford has been uh, back in the goals of late his, his performance level has still been an issue I thought he was electric against uh, Villa in the second half on Boxing Day he, he probably, I'd say salvaged a, a quite erratic half with a very tidy goal against Tottenham he took his goal well against Forrest, but it wasn't wasn't a particularly good performance from him. But he started scoring again. You've got to hopefully, from United's sake, build on that. And okay, Palistri hasn't started a game since September. I suppose that September was a bit of a trial run for him. He had three starts in three quite different games by Munich away, Palace at home in the League Cup, Palace at home in the League. And he, he certainly, he, he didn't pass that trial. He it was if it if it was you know if if that was a trialist um, at club they they wouldn't end up be uh, end up signing for the club I think it's safe to say and given his not not lack of development because he's quite prominent for Uruguay and I think he'll get a reasonable move at a certain point but in terms of his development at United he's been there for nearly three and a half years now he's embarked on two loan spells uh, they've been th- th- this could actually be the third planned loan for him that's been abandoned because he was going to go on loan at the start of last season but he got injured against Atletico Madrid in Oslo I think you was that the game you were at I think um, yes I did Oslo two years in a row which was yeah. I don't want to be ungrateful it was <laughs> it was good to have that sort of Groundhog Day experience yeah yeah so you know I, I think you know the, the we're not we're not insulting our Norwegian listeners whatsoever, but yeah, it's it has. I know what you mean, and that there have been quite a lot of Scandinavian friendlies, and the the, the repetition is um, is is something that maybe United could could do without. But he was also due to go on loan at the start of uh, uh, for this season as well. But then Ahmad got injured in in New Jersey uh, at the start of United's preseason tour, so that effectively scuppered a loan move for Plistry and then we've got this month uh, we've not got long till the transfer window closes next Thursday so uh, that's that's another one um, that would that would be three loans that have been abandoned that tells you quite a lot about where he's at at United and just the fact that he need there needs to be a clean break from United at some point this year it's, it's probably not going to happen over the next week but in the summer certainly I think he's a player that they could make a profit on um, given that they signed him from Peñarol for for nine million pounds, I think it was on deadline day in October 2020. 
he, he has some potential. There have been a lot of games where he's come on. He's had a really good impact, as you said last week, about his impact at, at Fulham, where although Fernandez got the goal, and it, look, it was a goalkeeping mistake as well, but that goal was made possible by Palistri's hard work and, and contribution. And um, he's he's the anti-Anthony. He, he, that day, he was the anti-Anthony. Anthony was cheered off uh, when he was substituted. Palestri came on and uh, without him, United probably wouldn't have, have won the game. But those examples, they're, they're few and far between. Uh, as I said, he, he has made some good impacts off the bench, but you can't just, especially someone so young as well, I think if, if it was someone in their, in their late 20s or early 30s who was fulfilling that role, you think, okay, you know, keep them on board. But in the case of Palistri, he's what, 21 or 22? It's in his interest and United's interest for there to be... Um, to be a permanent departure in the summer, and I think he'd be a, a, an asset in the right, in the right environment at the right team. He's he's a really good lad. He's very polite. Uh, no no airs or graces. He's he's not not pretentious whatsoever. Normal haircut, no tattoos. I'm, I know I'm sounding like Jose Mourinho talking up Scott McTominay that time, but there's a lot to like about him, and it's just a pity that when he has had his opportunities as a starter for United, and I know there have only been four of them overall. Uh, and, and he probably did deserve more starts than that. He He's not taken them and he did have a run of games in September and unfortunately he didn't quite pass muster. Yes, he's in that difficult situation, isn't he, as well, particularly, like I said, his, his young age where he's played more for Uruguay than he has for United and obviously that's going to give you, I'm not going to say an entitlement, but he obviously has this pedigree to be playing a lot more football and to be having that pressure really to start every week that he's just never going to get at United. And yeah, it's just unfortunate the way it's worked out and it always felt this month, didn't it? It was either going to be himself or Ahmed. Maybe he would get the chance. I know you wrote as well. Was it last week or the week before that Ahmad's the one they are looking to keep between now and the end of the season? But obviously the Palestri situation is very fluid. And again, this is just sort of evidence of, of how quickly things change on the transfer front that you can have something planned out. But a contributing factor to that might be the lack of cover because they've loaned out, you know, like I said, what is it, nine loan deals already this month for different players. But Amari Forson as well, I know we've both been looking at that one, but looks like he could leave the club, if not this month, but this summer contract talks stalling over that. And again, that's a, a difficult dilemma, isn't it, Samuel? Because United don't want to lose some highly rated young players. And of course, he recently became the 249th player from the academy to make a competitive appearance. But if there is the likelihood they could leave for free, you've got to consider permanent exits, haven't you? You have. And is there really a pathway into the first team uh, for for Amari Force? And I, I really do doubt it. I thought that he was um he, he was one of the more surprising inclusions on the on the preseason tour and he obviously came to, there was he had that prominence against Dortmund where he, he was doing quite well and then he got involved in a scuffle and, and Ten Hag Ten, Ten Hag substituted him. Uh, it was like a, it was a punishment um, because he, he thought he was too hot-headed, and he, he clearly wanted him to to learn from that lesson. He's he's he was he's just not had a look in at all this season. There was a reason why he was on the bench at Wigan. United squad was was extremely depleted, and their their bench was very very callow that evening. But I I do like this method of United that. With with academy players, if there's no pathway, who cares if they've scored against Leeds and Oslo? Just you know, sell them a few weeks later. If anything, cash in on it because some clubs are likely to have their heads turned uh, by that, and it might add a little bit of value to the player. Who, let's face it, Noah Memoran, who I was referring to there, he was never going to play for United first team, so you might as well uh, sell him. And I think with. The only loanee, um, sorry, the only loan move that they've overseen this month that I'd question just in terms of a numbers, from a numbers point of view, would be Hugel because he is an out and out striker. And United only have one out and out striker in Hoyland, and they're going to have to hope that Hoyland stays fit and he continues uh, with, with his goal scoring form, which is, he's, he's, it's what, two goals and he's lost two Premier League games now, two very good goals as well. He really does need to sustain that in, in February. And, and nobody, I'm not saying for a single second that you know, Joe Hugel, you know, there, there could be a, a time there that you've got to drop Hoyland and put Joe Hugel in the team, not at all. But it's a it's, it's about having bodies and, and numbers. And Val Weghorst last year, he he was a body. That was that, that was all he was really for United. They were never going to get a forward who's going to be 
um, top you know top drawer at, at that point of the season, and particularly because they were having to look at loan options as well. And they're in a similar situation at the moment, and they're, they're not outright ruling out a move uh, for an income in this month. But as it stands, it is looking unlikely. And I think that if they're to keep Palistri, that would indicate it's even unlikelier that they would go for. Um, for, for a late uh, a late incoming because you, you you're keeping your numbers tight there you're not I think if if a striker was coming in then you could say to Facundo Palestra yeah you can go out on loan but as I said that's that story hasn't been done but from what I've been told there is some uncertainty as to whether Palestri would would go out on loan now and that would indicate that they know they've not got the numbers there and yes Rashford can play through the middle but he doesn't want to play there. I don't think there's any United fan that wants him to play there. They've got to just hope that the ben- I mean, it's the one benefit of not having any European competition uh, to participate in is that the games are more spread out. There are going to be a lot of free midweeks. February is a busy month. They've they they should have six fixtures in it overall, um, because they've you know with the the weekend game against Newport County, it's it's a borderline buy into the fifth round of of the FA Cup, but it's not like it was. It's not like last February where they had eight games in 26 days and there were some really intense games as well against Barcelona and they played they had a double header against Leeds. Even when they beat Leicester 3-0, Leicester in the first half were the better side at Old Trafford. United only really got going when um when Jaden Sancho, of all people, came on for, for the second half and they 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 in the end they won that quite comfortably. And of course the the month ended with with a cup final. So it's it's not going to be as intense as last February, and United navigated that nigh on perfectly with, with six wins and two draws. Um, and in both of those draws, they they came from behind and probably ended the, both games against Leeds and, and Barcelona disappointed not to have won. And that's that was the level they were operating at at the time. And of course, the level has dropped significantly this season. But they are going to still need, you know, quite a deep squad and have quality and depth. And that's the reassuring thing. It feels like going into this weekend's game, even though it's only Newport County of, of League Two, um, they've they've got quite a full squad. And I think there's a chance that Ten Hag could should play his strongest outfield players in that game. Yeah, it's, we'll get on to our FA Cup preview after this short break. And I suppose the question for you there, Samuel, is, and there isn't really an answer to this, but what if Hoyland gets a knock? Or what if this weekend you don't want to risk him against Newport? If you you know, if you go 2-0 up and you want to make those changes. Like you said, I I I don't get the Hugo one in the sense that he is worth keeping along, isn't he? Because who would be next in line now, hypothetically? If Hoyland was to get injured, you've got Marshall who's sidelined anyway. Rashford doesn't want to play there. If you play Rashford for the middle, you stunt the progress of Garnacho on the right and put him back onto the left. You then go to Anthony Ahmad on the right. There is a way around it, but I guess it just further fuels this this thought that United needs another striker at some point. The suggestion that United could move one before deadline day, I mean, I do find it quite ironic that people are saying they might need to replace Marshall. I mean, they've not needed to replace him all season. They've, they've been coping without him anyway, even when he's been fit, basically. Do you think it is urgent that United get someone in this month, another body? Ala, sort of Veghorst or Agalo, or do you think it is? Do you think it is just what they're stuck with now? No, I've always been of the opinion that they had to get a striker in this month and just try and you know be really fastidious in uh, going through the market and looking at the scouring for the options. Uh, I I was I was thrown off then a contact just. Uh, message saying going to United dot 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 and I, I just had to clarify that that was absolute nonsense he was just it's messing me with me about Klopp um, but that I, would I've, be an in your statement wouldn't it yes that, that, that and would, Klopp. yeah that, that really would yeah uh, there'd be uh, that, that that would be pretty pretty extraordinary but unfortunately not for United in in, in the case of Klopp but I've, as I said, I've, I've always been in the opinion that they needed another striker to come in and not necessarily a, a starting striker, but someone who was at least experienced, um, had, you know, he was, he's got the know-how, possibly Premier League experience, but someone just to alleviate the burden on Hoyland. And with Igalo, in fairness to him, before the pandemic swept across the continent and shut football down, Igalo was fulfilling that role Known pretty much perfectly. He started against Derby, he scored a couple of goals. He started against Club Rouge, he started against uh, Lask and scored in those games as well. He, he came on in the Derby uh, with United 1 0 up and 
and did brilliantly. His hold up play and and killing time, he he did really uh, really well in that cameo when um, Scott McTominay finished it off uh, via that Edison assist. So for about a month or so, he he was he was exactly what United needed. But of course, you need it for for a four month period and the, the, for for this season. And it's a very specific type of player you'd be looking at and. I know Chipper Moting is a very obvious name that has been plucked out and you know, there'll be certain agents who will be trying to whip up uh, a market for, uh, for for their client. But Chipper Moting does get on the bench most weeks at, at Bayern Munich and do Bayern Munich want to leave themselves sure? You look at the Bayern Munich bench most weeks and uh, I, I don't think this is necessarily me just being insular, but there are names on it that you wouldn't recognise and th- that's because of the way they've they've assembled their squad. And that wasn't always the case. If I go back to when they won the treble under uh, your Pankis uh, nearly nearly 11 years ago, you did literally recognise every every Bayern Munich name in the starting lineup on the bench. But they clearly assemble their squad in a different way now. And do they want to lose someone who's got Premier League experience, Liga experience, has been at Bayern Munich for a couple of years and can step into the breach every now and then should Harry Kane need a breather because that's something also to consider. Harry Kane is not is not a young striker. So it would have to be, like, why would Bayern Munich loan that player when there are no playing, when, you know, really from their perspective, it'd be like, if you want him, fine, but give us a fee. You know, we we would want quite a good fee for that, which is why loan fees have become a lot more um, a lot more prevalent during um, discussions between clubs. Obviously, Sabitzer went from Bayern to United last year, but he, he just had such little playing prospects at the time, and, and Bayern were clearly comfortable with uh, with with the midfielders they had, and it wasn't as if they certainly weren't depleted at any point in midfield um, in the running last season either. So that that was one that benefited both parties. But by now, you'd have hoped United would have been able to do something if they were going to do something. Because Marshall's the the news about Marshall in midweek that should not have changed United being on the lookout for a striker. I don't think because they he, they they knew that he wasn't playing, that he was unwell or injured or what have you. They should have been aware of the groin problem and the possibility of of surgery. Um, you know, if, if if Marshall was fit this month, I'm sure they'd have tried to get him out, and then they've got the leverage to get someone in. But he's he's still on the wage bill uh, unless they they pay up his, his his contract and let him go now, which I don't think they are going to do. So, as as I said, I'd, I it's not like when Marcus Rashford got injured in late January in 2020 and on on. Deadline day, they were uh, you know, scrounging around for Joshua King or Odin Igalo or a striker with a tenuous association to Jim Zolbakken or, or Ali uh, they've, they've had They've had advance notice of, of, of the need to get a striker in and for whatever reason, you know, probably the economics of it, they've, they've not done that. Like I said, we can keep up to date with all the transfer news anyway on the Manchester Evening News website. And a quick plug, Samuel, for your newsletter. Are you on commission for this? Because we've been told to put it in every single podcast. Apparently, yes. Yeah, no commission, but yes, <laughs> I've, so, so I've been made aware. They, uh, yeah, they're, 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 it's uh, it's it's in overdrive. I'm, I'm I'm starting to feel like Laurie Whitwell and and his ten percent off or. <laughs> 50% off or however whatever the it's percentage like the, it's is it's like the DFS sale this isn't it does it ever end um, yeah, grab yourself the, a January I've transfer bargain I've got the salesman skills of Laurie I, I can't compare myself to Laurie in that sense whatsoever no <laughs> Well, if you want to keep up with all the latest news from Old Trafford, why not sign up to Samuel's uh, newsletter and you can get yourself a deal this month. 50% off the Inside Old Trafford newsletter, currently available for just £20 a year via Substack. You can become a full subscriber now and join the Inside Old Trafford community with 50% off an annual subscription until February the 1st, transfer deadline day. There will be a link to the newsletter in the podcast description below. Join us after the short break where we will look ahead to Newport County.
Welcome back then to the Manchester is Red podcast for Manchester News, part three, Newport County in the FA Cup. Samuel, you've already said it's basically a bye to the fifth round. Um, what you could, could go wrong? Newport after last week, couldn't you? Yes, after uh, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wrexham did play an hour of 10 men and we still nearly got a point. Um, Newport, though, are on a high. They've been been pretty good in, in recent weeks. Will Evans, a very good uh, striker for them. Hugh Jenkins, of course, the former Swansea chairman, has just invested in the club as well. So they're on a bit of a high. They're feeling boosted. They've got decent FA Cup pedigree as well, Newport. They'll always fancy their chances at Rodney Parade. Do you fancy your trip to Rodney Parade this weekend? Well, this is the uh, this is the twist because my uh, my accreditation request has been rejected for this game, but Ty uh, Tyrone's has been accepted. So, uh, Tyrone, the last question he asked me actually, unsurprisingly, you can probably uh, guess it already, <laughs> but it was want to swap then, and I've not replied to him yet. So he, um, <laughs> as it as it stands, as it stands in terms of, of movement departures from from the MEN to uh, to South Wales on a temporary basis, temporary transfer that will be time making that trip. So uh, it's it's not ideal. He, he said that uh, they they got two in for for City a few years ago when they played down there. But I think you know this is probably a, a more more evidence that as, as how however much better City are than United as a football team. United are still a vastly bigger club, and I'm sure they've had more accreditation requests there this week. But in terms of United's chances, yeah, I still think it's a, a borderline buy and uh, I suppose a vindictive streak in me hopes that they really do, um, you know, gr- grind them t- to the ground and <laughs> make them pay given that they've had the the temerity to not back one of our accreditation requests this week. <laughs> I think as well, is FA Cup draw is 2pm on Sunday as well. So United would already know their potential opponents for round five. I don't want to start going into this of who would you want because, no, you no. know, that is Good. just disrespectful to Newport. But there obviously will be that element play into it. I don't think, as you said earlier, that will affect Ten Hag's team selection. And, and the quandary really is there's been so few games this month. We've had that. That, that two-week break now for, for United, that there is almost no argument not to go full strength as much as supporters would love to see, you know, some of the youngsters get a go and to see a, maybe a bit of an experimental team. It does just make sense to go full strength, doesn't it? But then, of course, there's a lot more at stake if you do. Yes, and in Venice, there aren't really many youngsters knocking on the door uh, that you would say who, who haven't played before, who you'd think that would really like to see him play. I mean, the youth team, of course, lost to Swindon in the FA Youth Cup last week, which uh, was a. I watched the game. It was a, it was a shocking result, and it was a bit of a shocking performance from United as well. They they played the occasion rather than the opponent. So you're not going to see. I'd be amazed if we saw Jack Fletcher um, in, in in the squad at, at Newport. Never mind the team. Uh, just just looking at the players, we're speaking before the press conference, which is in just just under two hours' time. Uh, but the way it's shaping up, uh, that that team is going to be a very very strong side. The bench is going to be strong as well. I was I was looking at what the probable eighteen man squad will be, and um, every, every, it's you know, teeming with internationals. I think every player, almost every player, uh, will will have international um, honours of of some sort apart from the odd one or two, probably Wambasaka and, and Kobe Mainu. So uh, I think it, I think it has to go full strength because they've not, as you said, they've not played in two weeks. They've got a big month ahead of them. It's uh, deep, it's pretty good prep for Wolves on, on Thursday, four-day gap. Players need to get some, some match rhythm. If you can get the game boxed off after 45 minutes or an hour, then you can rotate a bit and give other players a go. But uh, it's as, as I said, it's not like that Wigan game. I mean, they could have hit the two fifty mark quite easily that night if it was Joe Hugel coming on with with Amari Force and um, rather than Hannibal Mejbri, which in in hindsight is probably what should have happened because I think they they knew at that point that that Mejbri was going to head out on loan. But in the end, he he came on for probably a uh, possibly a f- farewell cameo uh, for, from United. And as I said. I, uh, earlier, I think that this is T- Ten Hag has said a few times he's he's never had the opportunity to play strongest United side, and that 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 is true. I think he said at one point last season that, that the City home game was the only time, but Diogo Dallo was was injured for that one, and he made some tactical choices that day. I mean, Lis- Lisandro Martinez didn't start that game. Luke Shaw started at, at centre half because Martinez was still feeling his way back in after winning the World Cup with Argentina. 
but this weekend that United barring any late withdrawals through injury or illness they will have their 10 best outfield players available to play against Newport County and you might as well play them because February is a big month you've got the closed weeks no midweek matches really apart from obviously Wolves at the start of it you've got to you've got to prepare for that as best you possibly can and I don't think there are any excuses not to not to be playing uh, not looking ahead to February anyway you're not going to be rotating in those games there's a hell of a lot at stake in every Premier League match so you know start as you mean to go on this weekend Exactly, I agree with you on that. And I guess the maybe the enticing aspect for you, Samuel, is if you did make the James Rodney parade, you might get to see Altai Bayinda in the flesh. Yes. It looks like he's definitely yeah. going to, to finally make his debut this weekend. Do you think it matters at all how he plays? Andre and Arnold will come back from AFCON, take his play, surely? Yeah, I, I think that obviously with Anana, uh I mean, Cam- Cameroon's game and the timings of it, they could... It, he's probably a doubt for the Wolves game. And of course, Wolves have had some you know, quite impressive results this season. I think Gary O'Neill's done a decent job. So unless Bayinda drops one in or looks particularly nervous against Newport, he, he's probably starting two games on the trot. And then that's that's probably going to be it, unless Cameroon do go deep into to AFCON and Anana stays there, stays marooned there, given that he's already been dropped. I mean, that the way that has played out has been... It, it could hardly have, have gone any worse for him. And I, I, I wrote, I think, earlier in the week or last week that United have created a mountain out of a molehill trying to keep him for two games. And one of those games was against Wick and the other game he let in two, two savable goals. So, um, and he's gone out there. He was he was really poor for Sadio Mane's goal and Senegal's win against Cameroon. And then in the must-win group, final group game, which Cameroon did win very late on, Nana was on the bench and playing cheerleader uh, so United must be looking at that thinking you know why did what, what, why always us uh, to, to paraphrase Mario <laughs> Balotelli because they, they did sign him on the assumption that his international career was over and um, I, I, go, I go back to that Tottenham game as well I mean Anana had a flight to catch not long after it and then they were playing the next day and he busted a gut to, to get to that game only to discover that he hadn't been picked which it was quite logical given that he arrived three hours before the, the, the game against Guinea or something like that. Um, but you, you'd think that his focus during the game against Spurs, would that must have been wavering. That must have compromised his performance level at, at, of some sort. And as I said, I thought the two goals that went in, they were both they were both preventable from a, from a goalkeeper's perspective. So uh, once, once AFCON is out of the way, at least he can, you know, he needs to come back and have a, a clear frame of mind. But... His um his season has unfortunately gone from from bad to worse. But for Bayender, it's it's a belated opportunity. He, he played in the behind closed doors a game against Burnley this week. Um, the probably we did say be... we were going to mention that, and we never did actually. We I mean, did, yeah. United lost Klopp, by, by all Klopp, accounts, didn't they? And Klopp came in, yeah, yeah. Klopp, yeah. Um, it's one of those things, things, isn't it, Samuel? Where you can make an easy headline out of it and say Burnley have done the double over United in behind closed doors games this season. They, they lost the only game that mattered, but these are just training exercises, aren't they, for United? And it will, will have been fitness rather than performance that game in midweek. Yes, and it was the uh, it was players coming back from injury or players who haven't had much playing time who were involved in it. There were a batch of players that arrived for training at 9am, uh, like Rashford, Garnacho, Mainu, Dallo, McTominay, Varane, uh, etc. Players who've been available uh, recently who, who just trained whilst the other players uh, had had an afternoon uh, match against a Burnley side. Burnley won 3-1 as they, I think they won 3-0 in a behind closed doors game at Carrington back in back in August as well. And it, United were talking about this uh, midway through last season, ahead of the, the, the season restarting after the World Cup, yeah, having conversations with clubs in the North West to arrange behind closed doors games um, because it's, it's obviously mutually beneficial. I'm not too sure how strong Burnley were, but United, I think it was Casemiro, Martinez, Shaw, uh, Maguire, Palistri, Ahmad, Bayandir played. Those players were the ones who are involved in it because they've been coming back from injury or they've not had a lot of playing time whatsoever. And Palistri's participation in that might also indicate be another indicator that he's um he's he's possibly sticking around for the rest of the season. 
that's it for today's podcast. And a, a note that we have recorded this pre-press conference on Friday. So if there's any team news we might have missed, that that is the caveat as to why. Like I said, you can catch all that on the Manchester Evening News website anyway. And we'll have the live press conference blog as well from Carrington. We will be back on oh, Monday. Wait, I believe Rich, that'll be... Rich, Rich, yes. I've, I've just had word. <laughs> I don't know if this is... Oh, here we go. Here we go. News. Breaking news. I've now been accepted for Newport. Oh, wow. Okay, so Samuel will be there by Inder in the flesh. We look forward to that uh, really being covered at, by all angles. Uh, are you looking forward to it then? I, do you know what? I am. I am. I, I do. The, I take the, it all the romance back. for those, those games, like, you, you know, you look forward to it. You get there early. It's an empty terrace. You think, oh, this is the magic of the FA Cup. And then, as I've discovered at Cambridge, you get in the stands and the Wi-Fi collapses and you end up watching it on... Um, I player in this makeshift room behind the goal because they've not got a, a TV license and it's it's buffering. <laughs> that that is literally what happened at Cambridge nine years ago. But Yeovil did did a terrific job um, if, back in 2018. Uh, it, everything went according to plan that day. So that uh, that did that you went do all the shots ever? Was that 2014? No, but they, so I think that was 2011. So I was I was, was still um, yeah I was a I was a I was no longer a student, but I was I was jobless at that point, and just uh, trying to um, you know just trying to probably applying for the local um, to the local is there call centre. Is there a um, a lower league United sort of game you've been to that you've enjoyed the most? What what has been your favourite? Was it Yeovil? Was it Hirish Park? Uh, Yeovil was quite good. Despite the working conditions, I did I did like going to Cambridge. I mean, my my friends. Um, my friend lives there, and uh, the, fortunately, the weather was quite nice the next day. And we we went around the the, the town, and it's, it's probably got city status, but it feels like a town. It's that quaint, and it's it's very beautiful. And so Cambridge was sounds like talking about Wrexham nice. again here. Well, do you know what? I'd I'd rather be going to Wrexham this weekend because that, that is at least North Wales rather than uh, South Wales. But that's a pretty big one on a. The Monday night slot. I'm looking forward to watching that Blackburn against Wrexham. Yeah, I, I, I did keep feel television. like saying. Round five, Wrexham versus United. You heard it here first. Um, does rely both of those teams to win, of course, which who knows, know both of their recent records. But like I said, we'll be back on Monday looking back at what did happen at Newport. Sam will give us his full travel review of Rodney Parade. And we will be back for a deadline day special next Wednesday as well. Um, I believe that might be myself and Ty. It might not be. Who knows? That's the fun of the Manchester Dread podcast. Who knows what's going to come up? Thank you very much for joining us once again. And we will see you again next time. Mm-hmm.